Hello again. Just about got my breath back. <laughs> so, John's postal worker has reached the sixth destination on the jobs list and delivers this letter to the church in Philadelphia, the city whose name means brotherly love. Arriving with the letter safely stowed, they look around to see a thriving city in a volcanic, vine-growing region, a trade gateway between Rome and the Eastern world, strategically and deliberately planned and built with the missional purpose of spreading the Greek language, civilization, and beliefs into the wilds in the East. This little Athens is vibrant and prosperous, bustling and beautiful, a Hellenistic haven full of temples dedicated to a plethora of gods and idols, particularly Dionysus, the god of wine, fertility, festivity and religious ecstasy. And in amongst all this busyness, our letter carrier finds a little group of Christians being church together. Few in number, weak in power, persecuted, and yet one of only two Revelation churches whose letter contains no censure, only commendation and encouragement. This Philadelphian church is small but mighty, faithfully and steadfastly standing firm against the hedonism of the surrounding culture. Oh, I forgot to do the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> In a world filled with idolatry, they listen to Jesus alone, and this is their greatest achievement. The seal on the letter is broken. The letter unfurls and the church gathers to hear the words of Jesus written by John just for them. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine arriving this morning, having a cuppa, a bit of a chat, talking about the terrible rain we've been having, bad for our barbecues, good for the plants. And then the service starts with Mark announcing that a messenger has brought a letter. The words, a prophet, is written down just for us here in Creech, exactly as they heard them direct from the lips of Jesus. I wonder what our letter would say. I wonder how we'd respond. The letter to the Philadelphians must have been such an encouragement to them, this little church clinging to the truth of Jesus in the midst of such a chaotic culture. Here's that Jesus sees them, knows them, and is pleased with them. The overall message of this letter is, Dear Church, stay close to Jesus. Walk faithfully with him and hold fast. And giving this message a helpful and grabbable tangibility are three symbols in the passage. The key, the door, and the pillar. So we'll start with the key. The most important thing we can do in order to stay close to Jesus is to learn about him so that we can get to know him. And the letter opens in verse 7 with Jesus describing himself to the Philadelphians so that they can have 
confidence in knowing who he is. These are the words of him who is holy and true. With the word used for true here meaning real in Greek and trustworthy in Hebrew. So Jesus is covering both bases here. He is holy, he's real, and he's trustworthy. Goes on, who holds the key of David. Keys and locks and doors are all signs of power and official authority. Jesus holds the key not to Philadelphia, but to the house of David. Referencing Isaiah 22:22, when God replaces an untrustworthy steward with one of his own choosing, Eliakim, and gives him the key to the house of David and the authority to use it. It also nods back a bit to Revelation 1, where we see Jesus holding the keys for death and Hades. Jesus, then, is the eternal key holder, with the eternal authority and power that goes along with it, as, and it says in verse 7, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. So straight off the bat, in that opening sentence, Jesus reveals himself to the Philadelphians and to us as holy, real, trustworthy, and as having authority and power. This is who they and we are to stay close to. Holy, real, trustworthy, powerful. Yes, please. This is my king. So with this understanding of Jesus embedded, the letter continues. And in verse 8, Jesus says to the church, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door, and no one can shut it. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So here Jesus, through John, builds on his self-description of opening and shutting doors and brings it very close to home for the Philadelphian Christians. This little church of people have been keeping Jesus' word, have been bravely and faithfully declaring their belief in him and not denying his name. And in this city built to showcase and evangelise Hellenistic culture, these Christians are standing firm for Jesus with the little strength they have. And Jesus sees this, and he knows that they're faithful, and he places before them an open door that no one can shut. And that sounds great. What does it mean? Well, opinion is divided among the commentators, which is always fun to read. Being a massive nerd, I quite like a little theological tug of war to get my teeth into, but here, to be honest, there's not really very much to fight over. The two camps are... Either the door is used here, as it is elsewhere in the New Testament, as a metaphor for the evangelistic opportunity the Philadelphian church have to share the gospel of Jesus. In this sort of Hellenistic mission city, they have an ideal opportunity to evangelise in an already evangelising culture. Or else, it's used in the New Testament as well to symbolise entrance into the kingdom of God and the decision the Philadelphians have made to follow Jesus and walk through the door into eternal life with him. So the open door is either an evangelistic opportunity 
or the entrance into the kingdom of God. Or it might even be a bit of both. Either way, it feels like a win-win for the Philadelphians. Jesus sees them, recognises their struggle with the culture of the day, knows they're staying faithful to him, and is placing before them an open door, an invitation to walk with him, tell others about him, and spend eternity with him. What an encouragement for this tiny group of people to receive. Next one, we're on to the pillar. And as we see in verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. Wow. I mean, straight away, that's a powerful image. These words telling the church in Philadelphia to hold on to what you have are both an encouragement and a bit of a warning. These faithful few have relied on God. They've stayed true to their faith in Jesus, and now they need to resist complacency. Trust the promise that Jesus is coming soon. Keep on keeping on and hold fast. And when they do, Jesus will make them pillars in the temple of God. And this is a powerful image. And for the Philadelphians, it was super significant. The city of Philadelphia and the surrounding area was in an earthquake zone. And they suffered a particularly catastrophic earthquake a few decades before this letter was written. Life in an earthquake zone during these times was unsettling, very insecure, People would flee to the open countryside to escape the falling masonry and flying stones. And when the ground beneath their feet had finally stopped moving, they'd return to see what was left of their city and their homes. And often, when big buildings collapsed, all that would stay standing were the huge central pillars. So to the Philadelphians, pillars symbolised strength stability, and the ability to stand when everything around them crumbled. And now Jesus says for the church in Philadelphia, hold on, I will make you pillars in the temple of God. Imagine how deeply this promise would have fed them and stirred them. From the earliest days in the Christian faith and in the writings of Paul and Peter, the image of the temple of God is a living temple of people from the earliest Christians to us here today and beyond, where God makes his home with Jesus himself as the foundation. And now, these ordinary Christians in Philadelphia are to be pillars in God's chosen home. What an amazing promise. Hold fast, stay standing, stay faithful, and overcome. And I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Wow. The letter is rolled back up. There's a stunned silence in the room. As the little church of faithful followers take in these words of Jesus, written by John, just for them. 
And here, now, what do these words mean for us? This is the living word of God, and he continues to speak to his faithful followers in these words of Jesus, written by John, for all who want to know him better. So what do we hear in this encouragement and challenge to stay close to Jesus, walk faithfully with him, and hold fast? What do we hear from Jesus today? I see you. I know your deeds. I'm here. I am the key, the Holy One, Sovereign Lord. And I'm with you. Look around you. I've opened the door. I invite you to walk with me, to take and make every opportunity to tell others about me and to spend eternity with me. Hold fast. Stay standing. Stay faithful. Overcome, and I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. So we're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. We're going to take some time to reflect and respond. I'm going to pray, and then I'll explain what I mean. Dear Lord Jesus, the key to all life and love, you are our sovereign Lord, and we love you. Thank you for the blessing of unhurried, set-aside time with you. Holy Spirit, our helper, open our eyes, our ears, our minds and our hearts to your guiding and your leading. Move among us, minister to us, we pray. We make room for you, Jesus, here and now, in your name. Amen. So, we're going to sit for a few minutes and listen to a beautiful song called Make Room. And take this time to set set ourselves in an attitude of openness to hearing from God through the Spirit. And after the song, some questions will appear on the screen. And it's up to you how or even if you engage with them. If you're feeling chatty and like to externally process, and the people around you are the same, it'd be great to chat through these questions and your responses to what we've been learning about this morning. If you're more like me, and the idea of turning to the person next to you breaks you out in hives, that's fine too. Feel absolutely free to spend this time in quiet reflection with God, listening to what he's saying to you this morning. And if you're someone who prefers to have something tangible to focus on as you respond and pray and listen, there are some little cards over on the table towards the side. I'm sorry, you lovely people at home. Uh, So they're, they're just little cards that you can take 
with you. Uh, the, the questions are printed out over there as well. Help yourselves to whatever resonates with you.